This, this video just illustrated that, that we all long to, to have significance in life. We all want to know that we have a purpose, that we're here for a reason. And uh, today what we're doing is we're continuing on a series uh, looking at fear. What does the scripture say have to, have to say about the fears that come up in life? And so we've looked for the past two weeks at the fear of death, um, which I think is a fear that we all have, just what is beyond this life and um, just dealing with uh, knowing that we're all going to die at some point. How do you deal with that fear? And then also the fear of failure, setting out to do things in life or messing up in, in ways. And just how do we deal with these different things? Today, we're really looking at this idea of significance. You know, we all do fear uh, this area of, of lacking significance. And so as we dive into this, I'd like to start with just a word of prayer to get uh, get ourselves prepared for the time as God speaks to us. Let's Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for being here. Lord, um, there is nowhere where we can go in this world where you're not. Lord, thank you that your presence is always with us. Lord, thank you that you are um, all present, God. And so we want to welcome you to this place, Lord. Uh, we thank you for speaking to us, Lord, already through songs. Thank you for an opportunity that you've given us to just sing to you what is true. And, um, Lord, it's, it's, it's easy in this world to just pick up on all sorts of things to talk about and to make our lives about. But, Lord, to come and to, to, to sing praises to, to the Almighty God is something that's very significant. It's very important, God. And so thank you that you give us this privilege to gather together um, as, as people, some of who, whom have responded to you and who have begun a relationship with you and others who are still seeking you out, trying to understand if they're ready to make a decision to follow you. So, Lord, I pray for... Everyone here, God, that you'd speak to us where we're at about the issues we're facing, God. We ask you to open up your word to us. Help us to understand what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a... Significance is a, is a human desire, and it fulfills a basic need that we all experience in life. Um, there's two basic human needs, and if you'd like, you can pull out this outline that's in your listening guide and follow along. But the two human basic needs that we all have, first is security... We all want to be loved. We all want to have a sense that we're accepted by people, by someone. We long for relationships, and when we're loved, we feel significant for who we are. We want to know that people um, care about us, not for who the person we hope to be or who they want us to be, but we want to know that people love us for who we really are. The way we look, the, way we, um, the things we uh, do in our lives, not for that guy out there in the future, but for who, who we are. <clears throat> That's the need we all have, security. The second need we all have, basic human need, is significance. We want to know that we have meaning and value. We want our lives to actually matter. We want to make a contribution, knowing that our life has some sort of uh, purpose and significance towards a greater, the greater good in this world. And so our natural reflex, though, is to try to get these things, security and significance, apart from God. We set out to get these things in life, but we try to get these through human relationships often. And what we do is we try to squeeze security and significance out of the people in our lives. Um, we try to do this in friendships. So we go into friendships and we realize um, our friends are moody. So are we. You know, they want what they want. We want what we want. Uh, so security and significance, over time we realize, man, it's, it's, it's not entirely found in friendship because it... it it's not always the most fulfilling experience. So then we dive into something else. Maybe you're married. You dive into marriage. 
you're thinking, this is going to bring it together for me. And then you realize some days, you know, are better than others in marriage. And, you know, sometimes, the, you know, there's just there's a lot of work. And so you think, you know what, maybe if we have kids, this will just add more significance and meaning to my life and create more value. You start having kids and you think, man, these kids are selfish. They don't want to get on board with the direction of the family. They always need to be fed. This is a lot of work. You know, maybe more kids will make me feel more significant. So you start having more kids and you realize, oh my gosh, I don't know what I... And then you think, maybe it's somebody else's kids. So I want to give these kids, you know, somebody else. And we think, you know, we think maybe it's, maybe it's a job. So we do the same thing in work. We go to work and we find a career in which we think, man, if I just nail this job in this career, it's going to bring my life together. We land the job. Over time, we realize, man, I'm not completely fulfilled in this. I work for this boss. He's hard to get along with. He doesn't pay enough. Or this guy over here, he's worked here six months less than me, and he makes more than me. And we just were longing for more constantly. Another thing is we can even do this in ministry. You commit your life to Christ and you start sharing your life with other people. You get involved in the church. Very easy to wrap up, wrap that, you know, wrap your security and significance into ministry. And we start serving to gain status rather than serving to please God. And so, you know, our motives can get kind of thrown off if we're not careful in this area. And so, again, if our security and significance are threatened, what happens is we're shaken at the core because at a very deep level, we're afraid that our lives need to matter. And if we, re- if we think, man, nobody really cares about me, we really are shaken because this, this does meet a huge need in our life. So today, we're going to look at how do you, what's the right path to significance? What should I really be looking for in life? Problems come up, and you can see there's a list of some of the normal <clears throat> problems, the measure of significance. You know, we aim to gain, and we all have a different mix of these depending on our backgrounds, but we aim to gain significance through prestige like we want other people to to admire us position you know we want to we aim to be number one we're not satisfied unless we're number one number two is the first loser right so in academics and work and business you know we want to be first so position we put a lot of you know this is what the world says makes us successful position our portfolio our current financial our job you know but then we hit times like now where the job market has really, really, uh, is really struggling. You know, unemployment's way up. The economy's way down. So our significance, if it's tied into our portfolio, it just, it's gone down the drain at this point for a lot of people. There's just a lot of people who are disappointed right now because this whole area of our portfolio is just not performing. Maybe it's our possessions. The more and better, you know, we start going after things and, performance, power. But we try to fill up on all these different things and over time we realize I'm still empty. It's not enough. And so thank God, there is another way. There's another way to find significance. God has given us some things that He's already said were significant. And so here's what God, what God says the path to real significance is. First off, we're made by God. That makes us significant. We are not an accident. Proverbs 22.2 tells us the rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. God made us all. Rich, poor, doesn't matter our status in life. God, he, the God who created everything. He created the moon, the stars. He also created you and me. He decided 
to weave our lives together, to knit us together, to create purpose in our lives, that we have been made by Him. And He is the only source of real significance. And apart from Him, life just does not make a whole lot of sense. If we, if we pull back and we, we want to take God out of the picture, the, the meaning in life really dries up. Bertrand Russell, he was one of the, the greatest atheist philosophers and great Englishmen. He said this, he said, unless you assume the existence of God, then the question of meaning and purpose in life is irrelevant. You know, if there's no God, if you're just a freak chance of nature, you're just complex pond scum, then your life and my life doesn't matter, does it? Unless there's God, then our life really doesn't have much meaning and significance. But the truth is, the Scripture declares this, and, <clears throat> and inside of us we recognize there's something more to me. I was made by God. Along with that, we were made in God's image. That's another thing that God says makes us significant. He made us to be like Him. Look at Psalm 8, verses 3 through 6. The psalmist says this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the, star, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. You see, God has put us as his prized possession. We are his prized creation. He, he, he made us in his image. We're very, very different than animals. Animals, they don't relate in the same way. They don't communicate in the same way. They don't build they, There's this migration patterns that you see. With, with animals, and we're very different. We can just do different things in life. We have the ability to make choices, to make decisions, to build a life in a certain direction. God has made us with some amazing abilities to fulfill a purpose in life. We just sang a song about this too. Who am I? We were singing that back to God. We were singing Psalm 8 back to God. Who am I that you would know my name, that you should care about me, you know, that, that you'd place this much worth on me? But God is saying, yeah, you are extremely valuable me and that that question of who am i was really a question that uh, as i was thinking through this a lot of people wrestled with this question moses he wrestled with this question he was called to lead god's people out of captivity out of egypt and he he asked god this he says who am i that i should go to pharaoh and bring the israelites out of egypt he's saying you've got to have another there's got to be somebody else that you would want to use he asked that question Another guy, King David, said this, But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? God, that you would want to include us in your work and your plans. He recognized, man, who, who are we that, we that you would see us in this way? Gideon, one of God's soldiers, uh, a warrior, who is really insecure man, he said this, but, but, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. We're the most lowly in Manasseh. That's a tribe, one of the tribes of Israel. And I'm the least in my family. He's saying, couldn't you find somebody else to do this work, to do this job? Again, who, who am I? Well, we have been made by God. God put, he's put, when he's talking about God's image, what that means is he has put his nobility and his dignity in us when he made us. He made us to be like him. <clears throat> also, we've been made for a purpose. This is another thing that gives us significance. We've been made... To do something. Look at Psalm 139, verse 30. Or you're probably not up there, but I've got it. So I'll share it with you. 
Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16 says, says, For you created my inmost being. This speaks of God's specific design. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We're all different. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. While we're still forming in our mother's womb, God is involved in that process. He's made us for a real purpose. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them ever came to be. There's something special about humans. And so throughout the Scripture, God is just like with a megaphone declaring this message, you are valuable to me. You are significant to me. Regardless of what the world is chasing after, regardless of what's even in your mind or your heart, you're significant. I've placed a tremendous amount of value, is what he's saying. But in spite of our intrinsic value, there's a problem. In spite of our intrinsic value, intrinsic value is like value that's up on the shelf. It's just who we are. In spite of all that God has made in us, as He made us in His image, we've all rebelled. All of us have rebelled against God. Every single one of us. What that means is that we've all kind of just chosen to go life independent from God. We've chosen to walk away from the nobility and the dignity. We've we've chosen to um, not live out our purpose in life. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, this is all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So rather than living for God's purpose, we've all chosen to live for ourselves. We've chosen to say, I, I want to be first place in life. What this also means is we've set out on our own path, living by our own rules in life. Every single one of us. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, they decided to rebel. They had this value God gave them. This, uh, He gave them purpose and meaning. He set some boundaries around them. But they decided, even though we have this value, we've been made in God's image, we're going to go our own way, live by our own rules. And all of us have basically stamped, given our stamp of approval in the way that we've chosen to do our own lives. So we've all rebelled. And even though we've rebelled, we do not lose our value to God. But the sin in our lives, that decision to walk independently from God or live independently from God, that sin has stained us with an indelible mark that cannot be erased by us and by our good works. That has created a real problem. And so in order to know God, if we're going to know Him personally, we have got to figure out how do I clean up this stain of sin? How do I clean up my life? It's that verse goes on, The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. What God did is He chose to make a way for us to be cleansed. He chose to step into human history through Jesus Christ and to make a way for us to find forgiveness and to have this sin problem dealt with. We've chosen to rebel, but we're still valuable to God. And in our heart, if you understand this about what God has done, if you understand how God has made you significant and then how we've walked away, all of us, and chosen to do what we wanted in our lives, if you understand that, that brings up a tremendous, that should bring up humility, a deep humility and sense of, wow, God still cares about me. He still, he still loves me. But we, we truly have abandoned God and we've chosen to fulfill our own destiny. 
and to go after some things that really are more important to us, uh, certainly more important than, than what he has said. But look at this. In spite of our own rebellion, so all of us have gone our own way in life, in spite of that, God brought us back at a very, he bought us back at a high price. He bought us. Romans 5.8 is a powerful verse. I learned this when I was in high school, and um, it's always been a verse that stuck with me. God's demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, He died for us. How contrary to our expectation. We, we would think you know, that we've got to do certain things in order to get our act together for God to love us, but God loved us first. Before we were even aware of God's existence even, God loved us. Before we had any understanding of who God was, He loved us. This verse, Romans 5 it really captures an aggressive kind of love. You see that God is pursuing us. He's the one initiating a process. That shows us how significant we are. We know how, how it feels when someone pursues us. A friend, you know, someone's, you connect with someone, they're just a good friend, they want to hang out with you, they want to be your friend, they want to spend time. That, that makes us feel important. The same way goes in a, in a marriage relationship. The same way goes in a dating relationship. That pursuit, it's something that we really value. If you understand that God pursues you, He's pursued us first. And that really, that ups our understanding of how valuable we are to Him. Psalm 139, we read that just a little bit ago. But it reminds us that God loved us. He had this aggressive love towards us while we were even in our mom's womb. While we were being fashioned and knitted together, our body wasn't even completely made yet. As He was forming us, God was pursuing a relationship with us. He was working on things for who we would become, the person we would become. But a great picture of Romans 5.8, of God's high value for us, is found in a, in a story that you, that you find in, in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is telling a story about, it's a parable, it's a story he's telling about a son. And you've probably heard the story about the prodigal son. Prodigal son, his, uh, his father, uh, or he asked his father, can I have my inheritance? He wanted his, his inheritance before his dad died. He was asking him so he could go live it up. And so he takes his inheritance, which would have been a big insult to his father. And he takes it. It's almost like saying, God, I wish you were dead, but since you're not, can I have your money and go and just do what I want? Well, he goes and he does that. He goes and he lives this wild life. He blows through all that he has. And he remembers, my, you know, my father, he's, he's eating, he's on the streets, he's eating food that would have been fed to animals. And so he realized, man, I've got it pretty bad, but my, my father, he treats his servants much better than this. I can go home. And it's interesting, if you look at that story, he hits rock bottom. He's even pretty ashamed of what he's done. He goes back to his father. He's prepared to just say, I have totally blown it here. He's heading home, seeing God, if his father would take him back. And in his shame, as he's heading back, he looks up. And he sees that his father's already running out to meet him. I think that gives us a picture of Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his own love for us. And that we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In our own shame, in our own rebellion, as we look up towards God, we see that he's already, he's like that father who's chasing after us. He wants for us to, to respond to his love and to come back into relationship with him. I think we sang that song as well, like even though we've fallen away. That's really a reference to how we have rebelled. It's not talking about, I think it's speaking to how we have rebelled as humanity. We've decided to, to go our own way in life, to choose our own path, but God has made a way to redeem us. 
But that, that's the truth about God's love. He is not fickle like, like we are. It's not tied to our actions. God's love is, this is who he is. It's part of his character. First John 4, 8 talks about how God is, he's love. That's part of who he is. Every one of us is loved by God. Every moment of our lives. We don't even understand all of that, but he is pursuing us. And I was thinking about the illustration of, and I had read this, the illustration stuck with me. My sister and uh, probably most young girls, uh, when you're growing up, you probably played that game with the flower, where you have a flower and you, you pluck the petals. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. You know, a lot of times that's how we view God's love. We have a good day at work. God loves me. You know, the next day is a horrible day. And we, we lash out at somebody. He loves me not. And we, we think, man, I must have just damaged that. You know, we lose our temper. Or, you know, and so we think, wow, he loves me not. Or, or the next day we serve someone. We look out for someone who's, who's, who's in need. We do something good. He loves me. You know, the next day we ignore a need. He loves me not. And we go back and forth in our understanding of how God loves us. And that damages our understanding of who, how significant we are because God is saying, throw out the flower, there's one petal, I love you. You can throw that out. My love, he's saying, is not dependent on how good or bad you are. I've placed significance on you because I've made you. And that's enough. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, for it's by grace which means kindness or favor. It is by grace, it's God's favor, His kindness, that you have been saved. <clears throat> that has to do, that word saved has to do with our position. How we are all, since we're all headed down this path, we're heading on a path that leads us eventually to a penalty of eternal separation from God in a place called hell. The default in life is not heaven. Sometimes we think the default in life is heaven. If I just live my life, the default is I'll be a good person and we all go to heaven. All dogs and people go to heaven, right? The truth of the Scripture is that the default in life is that we're all headed on a path that leads us to eternal separation from God. And without God initiating and pursuing us with a love that would give us an opportunity to come back to Him, we would be without hope. So he says, for it's by grace, it's because of God's favor that you've been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift. It's a free gift of God, not by works, not by human effort, not by good works, so that no one can boast. This idea of no one boasting, it has to do with when we compare. Oftentimes our significance gets damaged because we look around and we see how good he is and how good she is and how much better they are than us. But what God is saying here is it's not dependent on any of that. No one gets to boast about this. God levels the playing field when it comes to salvation, when it comes to having a relationship with Him. He levels the playing field because He initiated the work. God paid a really high price for this gift. That, and there's no discount on this. I like discounts. I like shopping for sales. So I don't have to spend more than... I don't like shopping. Let me clarify. I came out and I thought, no, that's not true. I don't like shopping at all. But when I do have to shop... I do like a discount. But there's no discount on our lives for God. There was no discount. God offered up, the Son of God offered up His life. That's the highest price. That 
right there. And all of this just reveals how significant we are to Him. Over and over and over we find that, man, I am I'm valuable to God. Why would God love a person like me? And when you commit to follow Christ, there's, all, there's actually some added significance that you, that you receive in life. You get to become God's children. John 1.12 tells us, All who received Him, those who believe in His name, He gave them the rights to become children of God. Meaning, we're sons. If you've responded to God's love, you're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Think about what that means. Think about the benefits that your children have if you have kids. Just because you're their your mom or your dad. Think, now, now think about that in terms of the living God. You're a son, you're a daughter of the living God who has endless resources. Who has endless love and mercy and kindness. I mean, we're, we're, we're special. Also, we become royal priests. We become, what that means is we're, we're like royalty, but we're priests. You're a chosen people, First Peter says. A royal priesthood. What that has to do with is Every follower of Christ has access into the most holy place to relate to God. We don't have to stand, we don't have to be far back in a relationship with Him, but we get to be up close with God on a daily basis. We get to approach Him in prayer, and we get to talk to Him. And we also get to share Him with others. Our role is, as, as, as priests has to do with the fact that we can also share this love with other people. We can help introduce people to God and His holiness. To who He is. We're heirs of God. We're co-laborers with God. Again, this is significant. You're working, if you, if you follow Christ, you're working with God. If you flip over the back of your listening guide, there's a few more steps, steps to significance God's way. The first one is, <clears throat> if you're struggling with significance, first accept the way that God made you. You were knit together for a purpose. So get settled with who you are. And work, work that out before God. If you're struggling with it, work it out before Him. Look at Romans 12, 3-6. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you. And he's talking about in relation to the way we view ourselves in relation to the church, in relation, in relation to other Christians. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't lift ourselves up above others. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Like, look at yourself in the mirror. He's saying, look soberly, see yourself for who you really are, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given. So just like a physical body has parts with specific functions, so the body of Christ has the same. You were made... If you're a follower of Christ, you were made to fulfill a specific role in the life of this church, in the life of, of, of even in, in relation to this community as a follower of Christ. So don't try to be someone else. Don't try to mimic or imitate someone else. Fulfill the purpose that accept who God made you to be. Get settled with that. Speaking of just the, the specific wirings, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists. It's one of the places where you find a listing of spiritual gifts. There's a uh, there's another one found in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, but in the in the passages that list out what we call spiritual gifts, which are gifts that God gives to each person when they decide to follow Christ, to be used to carry out God's work more effectively, to work together as the church. He says this about the gifts. Paul says all these are are the work of one and the same spirit. He gives them to each one 
just as He determines. See, God decides the gifts that He's given you. And sometimes we think, man, I would really like to have that guy's gift or that person's gift. Why did you make me this way? And we really struggle with accepting the way God's wired us. Maybe some of the gifts, maybe the gift that you have is a behind-the-scenes gift. And you're thinking, man, I'd really like to be, I'd like to be up there playing something, hitting something, plucking something. I don't know what we call this, but, you know, doing that. I'd like to be the one who draws. I, you know, I like these bulletins. Someone must draw these things or, you know, work on the computers. You know, why has God made me the way He's made me? It's because He's trying to accomplish something through us all. If everybody here did this, we'd have a real problem. If everybody here was just a draw, you know, an artist, we'd have a real problem. We could not accomplish the things that God would want us to do. So if we choose to accept the way God's made us, man, we can get a lot done together for the kingdom. Another thing is avoid comparison. Avoid looking around. Paul says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Because what he's, people would go around, they would talk about how important they are in the church, and, and he's saying, look, we don't get involved in that. We don't dare do that. The verse continues, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're just not wise. He's saying, it's ignorant to go around seeing ourselves as a standard by which to measure other people by. It's, just, it's, it's foolish to do that. It's not about measuring up to other people. It's about being faithful to do what God has asked you to do. When we measure ourselves to other people, and we hit the level that they're at, like we, we recognize, man, I'm, I'm as good as that person now. You know, I've, achi- I've achieved what they have. I've got the same level, the lifestyle. We rise to that level, and we ask other people to come up. If we measure that to what God's standards are, we realize how far we still have to go. We're to measure ourselves to what God has shown us in the Scripture. To, we have to ask ourselves, what pleases God? And be focused in on that. Not what pleases other people, but what, what pleases God? We can keep... The truth is, if we all measure ourselves to God's standards, we'll all recognize just how far we've got to go and how dependent we are on Him through our whole life. The third thing is, it's, instead of comparing, instead of comparing, do the good that God made you to do. Ephesians 2.10 for we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has created us in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, those works aren't, they're not tied to getting into heaven. They're not tied to that. This is something that God has, has made us for. Once we've responded to a new life, He wants us to to fulfill some things. So do the good that God has already made you to do. Stack up day after day of doing good in life. That's how you build a significant life. You just set your heart to please God. You get in the Scriptures. You take action. And you just, you don't give into uh, that normal measure of significance. You choose to play um, and live within God's rules by His standards. How do you discover the good that God made you to do? That's the question. You know, how do I know what the good is that I'm supposed to do? This is, this is how you know it. You get into the Scriptures for yourself. This is really the only way to know how to grow in life, is to dig into God's Word. 
Some places in the world, this is not, you don't have access to the scriptures. Like God's word is, is illegal to have in some places. Fortunately, we live in a country where we've got bookstores full of extra Bibles. And you know, there's just ways to get to know what God says. We have the access to this. And there is no substitute for getting into the scriptures for yourself to find out what pleases God and how to live in line with his ways. This time on Sundays, this cannot be a substitute for your own personal time with God if, you're, if you've already decided to follow Christ. This is like a supplement for what God would want in your life. But there's no substitute for your own personal time with God. So God, He will show you the good that you are to do and that I'm to do as we dig in each day. The, the fourth thing, last thing is this. Live for God's purpose. There was a, a, a song I was going to play. Go ahead and fire it up if you can. It's a real quick song and then we're going to be done. But this kind of illustrates, this captures our desire to do... I want a new tour bus full of old guitars I'm star on Hollywood Boulevard Somewhere between Cher and James Dean It's fine for me So how you gonna do it? I'm gonna trade this life for fortune and fame I'll even cut my hair and change my name Cause we all just wanna be big rock stars And live in hilltop Okay, so we all wanna be rock stars According to that guy and that's pretty true, I think. It's pretty true. So we have a hard time settling into this whole idea of living for God's purpose because we all want to be superstars, superheroes, rock stars. We really we, we want some things out of life. The problem is there already is a superstar. His name is Jesus Christ. He came. They even wrote a play about Jesus Christ superstar, right? He's like, I already came. There doesn't need to be another one of us who shines like him. And so if we keep reaching after making a name, becoming a legend, we're never going to find significance because there already is a superstar. What God wants to do is he wants you to join with him in life, to live out his purposes. He wants to write the end of your life story. And it's going to look different than than the guy next to you and then mine. He wants to write our story and he wants it to be a significant thing because He's given us real purpose. Look at this last verse, Acts 20:24. Flip to the last one. It says, "However, I consider my life worth nothing to me." As this man's re- he's he's reflecting on all his accomplishments. He's saying, "I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace." See, he joined in the mission. He got on board with what was important to God. And he found meaning in his life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we're going to continue with some songs. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us, God. Thank you for the value that you've placed on us, Lord. uh, That you've made us in your image, God. I I know we don't even, can't even get our minds around what that means. But Lord, you've declared that we're, you know, we're your most valuable thing on this earth, Lord. We're, uh, you've even... You know, you've put a soul in us, or we're going to live forever, Lord. And we thank you for how you've made us, Lord. Help us not to, to measure ourselves by the world standards. Help us not to measure ourselves by the people around us. But, Lord, help us to, to measure ourselves by your standard that we find in your word, Lord. Help us to get to know you more each day, God. We pray for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's some next.